Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching, listening from. If this is your first time joining us, go to RadiantChurchSC.com. Click I'm new. If you click on the short form online as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that is listed. We're walking through some highlights of Jesus' ministry to start the brand new year. In fact, it's going to take us right up into Easter, and we're breaking down his ministry into different segments along the way. So today we wrap up our look at some of the miracles that he performed in a series of teachings that we have called When Pigs Fly. You know the old saying we use to describe improbable events, you know, things like, hey, I'll believe it when pigs fly. Yeah, you know, the good news here is that when things look bleak and impossible, God has you right where he wants you. He specializes in impossibilities. He is the miracle worker. But he doesn't always work miracles in the same manner. I'd argue that he never really does. In fact, God's very creative. He might work in similar ways, which rhyme, but they're never the exact same as something he's previously done. Each of these miracles we looked at so far really kind of support that idea. So for instance, in the very first week, we learned that Jesus was able to heal somebody by simply forgiving them of their sins. He didn't tell this guy that he was healed. He didn't lay hands on him. He forgave him. And whether the man was, was paralyzed because of his sin or simply because you know, we live in a world that's tainted by sin, sin had a role in his condition. And so Jesus was able to add mountains of credibility to his claim of being God by having his forgiveness unlock the healing in this man's life. And in the next week, we saw him raise a widow's son to life and bring a miracle of hope to those who had lost it. We learned that you can't always feel or see or even sense that God, you know, when, you, when you're walking through dark valley moments, but God is, is kind of there. But that's okay because He is with you. And as you grow in your walk with the Lord, you're going to continually be put in positions where you have to take steps of faith. You've got to trust and not rely solely on your emotions and feelings. That's vitally important for your spiritual growth. Last week, we got into the boat with Jesus and the disciples. And during the chaos of a powerful storm, we saw that Christ brings the miracle of peace. Whatever your situation you face, whatever storm you find yourself in, I want you to know that Jesus can bring peace to your life today. And the key you have to remember is that you cannot replace your faith with fear when these storms hit. Know each storm is an opportunity for spiritual growth. So stay firmly rooted in your faith and allow the peace of God to flow in your life. This final miracle we're going to look at, it's the only miracle recorded in each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each primarily focus on the work and ministry of Jesus. They're the prototypical ancient biographies in the sense that they don't tell the entirety of someone's story, but they choose to focus on the years and events that are the most meaningful. So ancient historians do not care about the details that we care about in our modern biographies. Like we care about where someone went to school, who their influences were, what their father was like. You know, uh, the, the ancients cared only about telling the parts of a person's life that were impactful, that defined their legacy. So the Gospels focus largely on Christ's ministry, death, and resurrection because that was defining, right? 
If you read through them, you're going to find that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. John is a little bit different. Now, I don't have time to jump into all of that today, but if I, check out a special podcast episode we did. It's called Puzzle Pieces, and I do a deep dive into how the Gospels actually all fit together, much like Puzzle Pieces, and we'll go into more detail uh, there. But I do want to think, uh, I want you to think of them as puzzle pieces. So each one tells a, a different story from a different angle, all right? And if you bring the pieces together, you get the full picture of Christ. When you put all four of them together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get the big story. Different aspects of Jesus' life and ministry are found in all four accounts. But this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, is special because, again, it's the only one you're going to find in each story of Jesus' life. This miracle always hits home for me, you know, because when I was 16 years old, we were on a student ministry uh, missions trip to downtown in Charleston, South Carolina. We were there for a week to minister alongside a church off of King Street called Hope Assembly. Hope reached out to the projects and neighborhoods of Upper King, which now looks nothing like it did years ago with all the new development and gentrification and all that kind of thing happening. But, but back then it was a rough place. And so one evening during that trip, we, we were set to provide steak dinners for everybody who would come to a special service we were putting together. So we had 70 steaks, but over 100 people showed up. Well, there's a problem there, right? So we decided to provide a hot dogs to those who couldn't get a steak dinner, which, yeah, if you're thinking that ain't right, you're, <laughs> you're correct. That does not fit right, does it? So believing God to do something extraordinary, my youth pastor, my cousin, a couple of others, myself, we prayed over the steaks and we started cooking and we just kept putting steaks on the grill one by one. And, and wouldn't you know it, every, every, <coughs> excuse me, every single person received a steak dinner. And there were exactly 25 left over, which was the number of people on our missions team. So when you hear about miracles like that, that should get you a little excited, right? Like when you're a part of a miracle that God works, it just, it fuels you. You, you want to be a part of something incredible after an experience like that. And I think, you know, all of us would say, yeah, I want to experience miracles too, right? I mean, of course you do. We all want to be a part of stories like the one I just shared. We want to be able to pull those out and say, look what God did. We all get excited when hearing about God moving miraculously. But, but do we expect to experience those miracles. Do we expect God will use us in a miraculous way? Do we expect God to take someone like us with maybe you know average or little resources, just a regular guy, and use us to do something extraordinary? So the reason I love this miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is because he does exactly that with his followers. He uses everyday people to accomplish extraordinary purpose. He takes what seems like little resources and he multiplies them to go farther than anybody would have expected. And so I want you to know today that you, we have the ability to be conduits for God's miracle working power. And this story actually illustrates that. I want to take you to Luke chapter 9, verse number 10. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Now, what do they do and where do they come from? Well, Jesus had just sent them out to conduct ministry in the surrounding area in pairs. They taught about God's kingdom. They healed the sick. They cast out demons. It was a big mountaintop experience for them. So then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and so they followed him. And he welcomed them, and he taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. So a lot of ministry taking place here. Look at verse 12. 
Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and they said, Hey, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and a lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, and I love this, you feed them. <laughs> now, there's an important lesson right here, and we don't have time to jump all the way into it today, but suffice it to say this, ministry is not done by one person. It, it takes all of us. Jesus could have fed the crowds, but he turns to his disciples and he gives them the opportunity. He says, hey guys, your turn. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Verse 13, but we only have five loaves of bread. They said, and we only have a couple of fish. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men that were present. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. And Jesus took the five loaves and he took the two fish and he looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute all of this to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up, look at that, 12 baskets of leftovers. Number 12 is significant, 12 tribes of Israel there, okay? So God is a God of abundance, isn't he? Wouldn't you have liked to have been one of the disciples in that moment? Can you imagine being a guy like Peter or John, and you've been working all day with Jesus and you're tired, you're ready to go home, but the crowds aren't going anywhere, they're still hanging out. Scholars estimate between 12 and maybe even 15,000 people were present listening to Christ teach. We know 5,000 men were present. Matthew 14, 21 says, though, that there is women and children who were present, too. They're not counted, though, right? So if you count them, you're looking at a pretty, pretty high number. We're right down the road right here at Radiant from, from Clemson University. It's 10 minutes away. And to give you an idea of the kind of crowd size that Christ fed, Little John Coliseum, where all the basketball games are held, it holds 9,000 people. So more people that can pack an arena are likely out there in the middle of nowhere with nothing to eat. So the disciples are, are ready to get rid of these people, especially since it's approaching dinner time. But Jesus pulls a stunner and he tells them to take care of the crowd. He goes, you feed them, verse 13. And the disciples answer, you know, to a major need that the people had. Their answer was they didn't want to deal with it, <laughs> right? Like they wanted to send everyone away. They looked at the resources they had and they said, man, we can't do anything with this. You know, bread and fish, we can't do much at all. Look at the response they give Jesus. I, I can just read through the sarcasm. Are you expecting us to go through and buy food for this whole crowd? Jesus had given them the task which exceeded their ability, and he did it on purpose. Is this the right place to feed all these people in the middle of nowhere? Of course not. You know, not a Chick-fil-A around, right? Is it the right time to start thinking about dinner for a crowd this large? No, it's late in the afternoon. We're getting close to dinner time. Do they have enough resources to feed thousands of people? Not unless, you know, break up five loaves of bread and two fish and a little microscopic type pieces. Like, otherwise, I don't know how you do it, right? So take a look at this. Do you think they could feed 12 to 15,000 people? just on that alone, right? Too often, we find ourselves in a position just like the disciples. So God gives us a task that exceeds our ability. And instead of rising to the occasion to meet it, you know, feed them, we instead choose to act like the disciples sending away the crowds. 
So we tend to think, well, if only I had this or that, right? Or God hasn't blessed me enough to help over here. If God can speak to the waves and tell them to stop, if God can tell the stars in the sky how bright to shine, if God can author the complexity of the theory of gravity, right? Can't God take the little bit of resource we have and bless them enough to meet the needs that he purposefully brings our way? Our job is not to come up with the reasons as to why we can't minister to people that God brings to us. Our job is to use what we have, even if it's small, and trust that God will bless us with what we're giving and doing. Years ago, we operated a food bank at the, at the church we were pastoring at the time, not because we came up with the idea to, to do it, by the way. I think far too often churches will start ministries and programs because they think, well, this is a good idea, and not because there's a real need that's not being met, and that's the key there, in the community. So there wasn't a food bank in our community at the time. In fact, the closest food bank was well over half an hour away. Um, we were in a very rural setting. A lot of people would travel further than 30 minutes to receive assistance like that. So we started a food bank that would eventually grow to, to feed about 200 families every month. That's a lot of people. On one occasion, we had, we had fish we were giving out as that month's meat. As people got their bread and their fresh veggies, their fruits, their canned goods, and they go to grab their fish. The only problem was we were running low. We knew we were going to run out, and we weren't even halfway through the line yet. So it was a pretty busy day that, that, that day at the food bank. So our team prayed over the fish. And they actually prayed this prayer of multiplication over the fish. They said, God, you did it once. You can do it again right here in Monk's Corner. That's where we were. And so the people kept coming, and the fish kept going, and we never ran out. It was, a, a, it was not a miscalculation. Our, our guys take extensive inventory before and after distribution, right? It was a miracle of multiplication. God was providing right in front of us this miracle. There's an important lesson here. No matter what our resources are, whether big or small or none, they're never enough to meet the tasks that God has for us on their own. So maybe you have the gift of giving, right? Because God has blessed you so much and you give generously, which is great. It's still not enough to meet every need on its own. In fact, even if you have zero resources, you still have something to offer. It's, it's, it's yourself, right? Be the person who says, here I am, Lord. Send me. Let me do it. I'll feed the people. Don't send them away. I'll take care of it. Can you pray? Boy, we, we need people who pray around here. You know, James tells us the, the, the prayers of those who are godly, they're powerful and effective. Are you friendly and inviting? Boy, we could use people here at Radiant Church on our First Impressions team to love folks when they come through the doors. Do you love kids? There's a place for you in the Radiant Kids ministry. Can you sing or play? There's a spot for you in worship. Do you feel like sound and lights and text kind of your thing? Then there's, there's a role for you in production. Behind the scenes person, are you handy? Hey, our maintenance team helps keep the facilities in shape and we could use you for sure. Is there a heart for ministry? that God's given you that we don't have, hey, come talk to us because perhaps God is using you to start something new to reach people. It doesn't matter what your resources are. God can and God will use you if you allow him to. When we trust God with what we have, we set ourselves up to see God's power to do the impossible. And it was impossible for five loaves and two fish to feed 15,000 people until Jesus and what was a foreshadowing of the final night with his followers took that bread and fish and blessed it. And then he gave the pieces to his disciples to pass around. See, when we willingly offer up what we have and God blesses it, boy, anything becomes possible. 
Now, the disciples did not perform the miracle, right? But they provided the resources. They were conduits for God's miracle-working power. Their willingness to obey Jesus, to not send the people away, to offer up what they had to God, that opened the door for a major shift. And I think one of the reasons this story is recorded in all the Gospels is because this miracle marks a shift in the ministry of Christ where he's transferring power and authority from himself to his followers. They needed to learn that while, yes, we depend on God and need him, the responsibility to minister rests with us. And in fact, he began multiplying himself and his disciples on that day. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're to multiply ourselves. We're to make new followers of Jesus and then teach those followers to make new followers. Yeah, that's not a one person job. It's not the pastor's role to do that alone. That's yours too. You can't tell God, well, the church I went to, they didn't have this or offer that or they had too many people here or not enough there. Like you, you can't do that because God's going to hold you to account. Who are you reaching? Who are you multiplying? Who are you pouring into? We're to serve in ministry, not because it's an obligation or a duty, but because we're exercising God-given gifts. And as we do that, we honor the Lord who gave them to us, and we multiply ourselves. Serving invokes humility. We're putting others ahead of us. And we're to teach others how to serve in the roles we have so they can multiply themselves as well. We're to lead and teach people how to lead. Like this, 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 by the way, this is, this is the miracle of multiplication right here. And you might say, Pastor, I just, I don't like people. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you this, <laughs> okay? Heaven's full of people. Did you know that? It's full of people. And you're going to have a hard time in eternity. Like, I, and I'm more introverted than you would think, so I can relate to this. But you got to love and care about folks you don't know. you got to reach out. You cannot minister to others and be a silo, an island to yourself. If you don't like people, if you can't stand to be around them, if you really just want to fly solo, you need a spiritual check. I know that's hard for a few of you to really see and probably take in, but you are tasked with multiplication like all of us. And you can't multiply by yourself. It takes you reaching out to people and caring for them and loving them and spending time with them and pouring your heart and soul into them. When we're included in God's miracle, boy, we not only multiply ourselves, we allow God to multiply our resources, our time and our finances, our abilities. You become a part of the every miracle that God does, you know, at and through Radiant Church when you do that kind of thing. Because you gave, can I tell you, the kids, the, the, the children's home here in town, they, they received care and ministry they needed. Because you sacrificed your time to serve a little boy or girl is hearing about Jesus and giving their lives over to Him and learning how to follow Him. Because you prayed, someone who desperately needed Christ was given hope. Because you reached out and shared your story, someone is connecting to a church family, whether here or somewhere else, for the very first time. You are part of the miracle when you give all that you have over to God. Twelve baskets were left over when it was all said and done. Twelve. How do you end up with more than what you started with? Well, Luke 6.38, Jesus is teaching on forgiveness. And while this principle is directly applied to forgiving other people, it rings just as true when you give of your, of your time and resources and abilities. Look at what he says here, Luke 6.38. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will turn in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amounts you give, look at this, will determine the amount you get back. 
when we give our finances and our time and our gifts and our talents and our abilities, our resources, and we trust God with our giving, even if it's small by our standards, God blesses it. It never returns empty. When we multiply ourselves and others and watch God transform them, He blesses us in them. When we become a part of God's miracle as a result of our sacrifice, we always reap a reward. At Radiant, boy, we want you to be all in. We want you to give God all that you have. Have the responsibility of ministering to others, right? Embrace that. What if we follow that example today that Christ gave? What if we gave as He did? You know, he gave everything he had for us. He, he said a seed can't produce unless it dies first. The death and resurrection of Jesus, that's the ultimate example of the miracle of multiplication, right? He's the bread of life, which meets every need. He multiplied himself directly into others who repeated the process and changed the world. What could God do through you? Are you ready to offer yourself up with this mindset that, Lord, whatever I have, I'm giving over to you. I'm taking responsibility to minister. God, use me to multiply your kingdom through me. I want to pray for you here today, particularly for those of you who are followers of Jesus, that God will use you to multiply yourself. Father, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing in hearts and souls of people who are watching and listening right now. For those who are watching and they're, they're feeling convicted, saying, man, I haven't reached out enough to people. I'm important enough. And I, I'm not really multiplying myself, you know. Lord, I pray that you begin to, to really take apart all the excuses, the barriers, the challenges, the reasons as to why, Lord. And I pray you would pull us into a place, make a shift in our lives. We realize the importance of not being a silo and being by ourselves. But God, we realize the importance of, of multiplying other people, other followers of Christ. Help us to multiply with new followers, to multiply folks who serve and who give and who are a part of the kingdom of God. Lord, may we multiply as you did. You taught us. You showed us the example. You showed us what it was like to equip people and lead them. And Lord, I pray that we follow in those footsteps. Every time we multiply, it's not ourselves per se that we're multiplying, although we've been saying that. Lord, we know that we multiply. It's, it's you. It's the Spirit of God. It's the love of Christ. It's, we're, we're multiplying followers in your kingdom. So I pray that, 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 man, we would begin to find people to pour into, to raise up. Up, to disciple, to, to bring alongside and kind of do life with, Lord, and, and that those folks that we pour into, they would multiply themselves as well. And so the kingdom of God would see growth as more and more people become followers of Jesus because of our obedience and willingness to multiply. Father, I pray uh, for those who, who perhaps, man, they're, they're saying here, Pastor, I just, I, I, I'm introverted. I'm kind of shy. I'm kind of quiet. I just don't know if I can do this. Lord, give them courage. I, I know what it's like to, to be an introvert. I know what it's like, man, to, to kind of, oh, I'm just not so sure about people. Lord, give them courage and give them boldness. And I just pray they'd see that it's just one life, one step, one life at a time. Let's start with one. But Father, we all have a role to play. We all have a role to play in the expansion of your kingdom and the growth of your kingdom. And so my prayer, Lord, is we don't sit on the sidelines. My prayer, God, is that we engage and we're active in kingdom growth. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you already have done. And we thank you for the miracle of multiplication that you're going to bring to hearts and lives everywhere. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, 
can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.